Well, good afternoon, Lafayette. This is Joe Cunningham here on the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5 KPL. Uh, some personal news before we start the show today. The Joe Cunningham Show will continue until further notice because I did not get a single number on my Powerball take. Not a single one in all the buys that I took out yesterday. Not a not even one white ball. That is incredible to me that I would have the opposite of of any good luck whatsoever. It, it was not, it's not even bad luck. It's just frankly amazing luck that I would not get a single white ball. Nevertheless, one of the red, the red ball, but not a single white ball matched any of the buys on my ticket. So that was, uh, as, as most Powerball tickets are money down the drain. I was not one of the 50,000 or the one, $100,000 uh, winners in Louisiana. Uh, but I've got a shot at 1.5 billion, apparently. Well, okay, so I would take the lump sum. I'm not taking the annuity. Uh, I'm not greedy. I don't need 1.5 billion. I'll settle for you know the 600 million or so that comes from taking the lump sum. And of course, you take that, and then you've got taxes. So really, you're you know looking at maybe <laughs> you're ending up with maybe a quarter of that. But again, I'm not greedy. I'll settle. For four hundred million dollars, I don't need the full one point five. Uh, you know, I'll. Mark's done such a great job on the board. I'll give him a nice retirement. Maybe throw a mill his way. Uh, you know, I. You know, I, I don't need one point five billion, but it would be nice to have some spare change every now and then. I just paid a dollar for a, a canned soda a little while ago. I would love to not have to worry about that anymore. But anyway, yes, the show will continue. I did not win the Powerball last night. Uh, nobody did. So $1.5 billion in the drawing on Saturday. Of course, Mega Millions is still in the hundreds of millions. So you've got a shot there as well if you want to. Anyway, 232-1542 if you want to be part of the program. Uh, would love to hear from you, whether it's on the Powerball or, or anything else that we're talking about. I'm, I'm trying... I'm trying not to focus too much on the midterms today. There is some stuff that we do need to go over, but I, I want to kind of pull back from it a little bit, mostly because it's it's very heavy stuff. I mean, look at what we've been talking about. We've been talking about data and analysis and and and, and all these numbers. I'm not a math guy. I mean, I can look at the polls. I can show you the trends and everything like that. I don't like to focus on numbers that much. So sometimes we've got to pull back. Plus, there's some other things that are going on that we do want to talk about as well. There's a, a post I just put up at, uh, at kpl965.com that I think is very interesting. Uh, you remember a few weeks back, Acadia Parish uh, is started putting out feelers. How do you feel about a four-day school week? Well, there's a restaurant. There's a Chick-fil-A in Miami, Florida that... The owner, uh, the owner operator, is experimenting with three day work weeks, and I want to get to that in a little bit because it's actually a very fat. It's very fascinating, and based on what this owner operator says, it's working out very well. Despite the fact that to work full time with benefits, you need forty hours. So how do you get that? Well, you have to work 13, 14 hour shifts three days a week. But we'll get to that uh, a little later on the show. Right now, let us go over uh, some of the stuff for the midterms. And in particular, I want to look at 
probably just the latest bit of doom for the Democrats. And uh, 538. So give you a little bit of background. During the breaks on his show, I come into I come into the studio when Moon's on, and he and I talk the projections and stuff like on these races. And we've been looking, uh, we we've been looking at the stats over and over. And I half he's on the road today, so he he may not have have seen the latest update. He sent me the update from five thirty eight this morning, where they had it up to uh, fifty. I think it was yeah fifty five percent. 55%. No, I'm sorry. He sent me when it was 54% this morning at 538. 538 has now upped 55% chance the Republicans take the Senate. It's going up. It keeps going up, and there is a reason for that. The data continues to be bad for the Republicans. But what is so incredible here is that on October 25th, on October 25th, y'all, it was 55% Democrats keep the Senate. It has shifted that much in these last few days. We're seeing an absolute total collapse of the Democrats in the polls. We're seeing a collapse of the Democrats in the odds. Why is that? And the answer is, Attention Deficit Disorder. The Democrats have been running around with every new topic that pops up. They get distracted. And so they start focusing on that. They have tried to find a message that sticks, and they have not been able to. The media has not been able to help the Democrats stick to a message because all these actual news stories come about. Last night, Joe Biden gave a speech. It was similar to the speech that he gave several weeks back, you know, in front of the, the, the dark red backdrop that looked fairly, you know, uh, not great. This one behind a blue backdrop or in front of a blue back backdrop. But Biden gave a speech and he talked about the threats to democracy. He's sticking to that. The other day, he was talking about, well, the, Trump, uh, the, the, the extreme MAGA Republicans are going to uh, are going to defund Medicare, Social Security, all that. All the Democrats are passing around the video of Mike Lee saying that he would absolutely pull so, uh, Social Security up by the root. That was their message a few days ago. Uh, they uh, they abortion every now and then comes up. Is they're not able to focus. In 2020, I got in trouble among readers at Red State. And I think when I was on the morning show here a couple times, I got in trouble, some of y'all listening, when I said, here's how I know Donald Trump is struggling. He can't maintain a message. If you go through, if you went through Donald Trump's Twitter feed in the days and weeks leading up to the election on any given day, Donald Trump was attacking people, talking about all sorts of topics. There was no coherent message. And that was part of Trump's problem. Trump is a responder. Trump responds to everything. He fights everything that moves. The Democrats are now react. They're responding. They're now reacting to everything. They're to react to every message they can to try to get something out there. But they're ignoring 
They're ignoring the issues that voters care about most, and that's crime and the economy. And because the Democrats have not focused on those issues and because the media has given them cover and allowed them to talk about the issues that are not those up until recently, the Democrats in their own lead-lined bunker along with the media have completely missed what the American public is actually going through right now. And so the Democrats have, as, have opened the door from their bunker. And they're looking around and they're seeing the electorate run away from them. And they're confused. They don't actually understand what's going on. They have so ignored what the voters want that they have no chance in some of these places of coming back. I mean, for God's sake, New Hampshire is a toss-up state. Not something anyone expected. The Democrats are throwing money at Washington. The Democrats are rallying all the troops, Obama, uh, Barack Obama, Michelle Obama, everybody, the Clintons there, everybody's going to New York to save Kathy Hochul. It's that bad. All because they've been ignoring what's most important to voters. All right, let's go ahead and take a break. When we come back, we'll wrap up this conversation, get to a couple other topics. And of course, your calls, 232-1542, and your app chats through the KPL app right here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542. If you want to be part of the conversation, be glad to talk to you today. Uh, just again, the, there's been an absolute total collapse. Let me pull up real clear politics again, just to see what the updated polls look like today. Um, here's the big one. And this is big. Uh, let, me, let me walk you through this particular one. Uh, Raphael Warnock, Herschel Walker. I'm watching this race in particular. Uh, I, I, because Georgia politics in particular fascinate me. And I think that this state is ultimately a pretty good bellwether of where the rest of the country is kind of leaning here. Uh, as of the end of last week, Herschel Walker took the lead on the polling average. And he's stayed there. Now, his lead has shrunken a little bit. Uh, he was up by about a point and a half as of yesterday, but a Survey USA poll that came out today gave Warnock a six-point advantage. But that's an outlier compared to all of the other recent polls. So I'm not sure where that one really says. Last time, uh, Warnock was over hell, 5% was at the beginning of October. Everything else, the highest he's been since the beginning of October, uh, let's see, he had a plus seven the uh, October 10th, and then plus three has been the highest he's been since that up until today with this plus six. Everything else from the last two weeks has had Walker up. And that is a pretty big sign, but this particular poll that's come out today that I'm looking at is very, very interesting. This is a Fox News poll and it has Walker up one. 
Now, a lot of people, if I say Fox News poll, you're going to be like, oh, well, you know, that's that's a Republican news network. Well, Fox polling tends to oversample Democrats even more than some of the so-called neutral polls do. And a lot of the neutral polls oversample Democrats a lot. Fox News oversamples Democrats by more than those. And so often you see the numbers for Republicans lagging behind where they end up being in the Fox News polls. So if Fox's poll has Walker up plus one, that's a big red flag. Now, Remington Research also had one that's out today. There was a two-day survey, 1,150 likely voters. They have Walker up plus four. Walker only needs to be at 50% plus one. If Walker is up 50%, if he gets 50% of Election Day votes plus one, he wins without a runoff. And now there's whispers behind the scenes that most people are actually expecting him to get there. They are expecting Walker to get the seat, get the win without the runoff, which is a pretty big deal. Because theirs is not a two-guy runoff, you know, one primary each. This is, there's multiple candidates on the ballot. There's Warnock, there's Walker, and there's, an, there's a Libertarian candidate. The Libertarian candidate is the protest candidate in Georgia. Nobody really takes the Georgia Libertarian seriously, you know, kind of like national, nationwide. But this particular, in Georgia, it's very, very notable that people who are Republicans and Democrats but do not really like the candidates of that party go the Libertarian route in that election. But the numbers in Georgia heavily favor Republicans who do care. And so that that tends to suggest that Walker is winning and will win without a runoff. And if so, that's huge. Now, looking at Louisiana, similar thing. In Louisiana... Oh, wow. Sorry. Uh, somebody just sent me a headline that's, uh, that's really incredible. Uh, but in Louisiana, for the first time, if I, I went back and found as much data as I could. For the first time in all the data I've looked at, Republicans have turned out more in early voting than Democrats in Louisiana. I have never, in, the, in anything I've seen, and I'm told fairly re reliably, never in the history of Louisiana have more Republicans turned up to early vote than Democrats. If it's happened, it's so rare, nobody can actually identify when it happened. And that's a trend we're actually seeing all over the place, all over the country. But in Louisiana, that the, the numbers that we're seeing, the turnout we're seeing at the parish level, and the turnout that we're seeing at the state level for the federal races pretty much ensures we're not going to see runoffs. There's not really... Uh, any trouble to the incumbents. Sorry to those who are listening who are hoping for a runoff in this particular in our local uh, congressional race. The data just doesn't really suggest it. And there's lots of reasons for that. Um, for the for district three, for congressional district three, it does largely depend. Or it really, I mean, it depends almost entirely on Calcasieu and Lafayette parishes. And we'll have to see just how much Calcasieu can influence the rest of the district on this one. But most of the analysis that I've seen in and outside of the state suggests that none of the incumbents in Louisiana for the federal races 
are at risk of, of being forced into a runoff. Uh, but all of that said, what we're seeing is that Republicans have an advantage in the early vote, which means they have a definite advantage come the election day, which is only a few days away. All right, let's take our bottom of the hour news break. When we come back, let's talk about Louisiana. I didn't get to the story yesterday, but let's talk about the Jeff Landry endorsements and your calls, 232-1542 here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542. If you want to call in and be part of the conversation, we'd be glad to hear from you. You can also send a message through the KPL app chat. All you've got to do, if you've got the app, Hit the little chat button icon up at the top corner. I think it's the top corner. Uh, Select general message and just send a message our way. I'll be glad to respond to you in the app as well as on the air. Uh, So yesterday's news on the Louisiana gubernatorial front is very interesting. When Jeff Landry announced that he was running for governor, his announcement video closed with... I'm not running for governor. We're running for governor. And at the time, I said that was the best possible move that you can make. Whoever's running his campaign has a good head on their shoulders. Because what you need to prevent the same problems that the Republicans have had in the past for governor is a unifying, a unified front. And then yesterday... We got the twin endorsements, both Ralph Abraham and Eddie Rispone endorsed Jeff Landry. Now, behind the scenes, this is according to a couple sources, and I think Jeremy Alford wrote about it at Law Politics Weekly. Uh, the, the Landry folks, the people around Landry, the team, the people who are supporting him, they are pushing heavily for the Republican Party uh, to go ahead and make an endorsement. Like as soon as the midterms are over, basically, they want something out there. They probably won't get something that soon. But the longer the party chooses to uh, wait on this, the more opportunity you get a Billy Nungesser, a Bill Cassidy, a John Schroeder, more Republicans jumping into this race. And that's not something the Republicans really need. The Republicans need as small a field as possible. Because, as I've said time and time again, if Republicans are good at one thing, everybody say it with me, it's snatching defeat from the jaws of victory. That's what the Republicans are going to do if they do not maintain a unified front going into whoever the Democrats throw at them next year. The Democratic Party in Louisiana is largely dead. It is run by trial lawyers. It is two-thirds disaffected black voters who don't really like the people in charge of the party. It's one chance to get a, a black kingmaker candidate in Gary Chambers has absolutely failed because Gary Chambers and his people don't know how to actually run a statewide campaign. The same people who run the party tried to make Luke Mixon a thing. It's not happening. 
There's now a rumor that they're trying to make Sean Wilson, the transportation secretary under Joe, uh, uh, John Bill Edwards, a thing. And while all this is going on, Republicans are out there saying, yeah, I'm going to run. No, I'm going to run. No, I'm going to run. And it's looking like there's going to be a fight. The only way that Democrats win things outside of, the, of New Orleans and these other urban strongholds, the only way they win things statewide is if the Republicans are not united. So whoever behind Landry is getting these endorsements lined up and gets the two bitter rivals from 2019 to both endorse the same guy, they're doing the right thing. Now what we hope is that more Republicans and the Republican Party itself would come in and make the endorsement and just go ahead and kind of quash any other Republican candidate from jumping in. You've got Jeff Landry. He's the second most popular elected official in the state. He's the guy that you would go to. There are plenty of Republicans who would say, no, I I don't want a Jeff Landry type personality. And that's fine. But Jeff Landry, as of right now, is the guy who stands the best chance. That can change if the party kind of sits on its hands and doesn't do anything and a fight breaks out between a couple of Republicans and somebody does drag Jeff Landry down. There's a path for some of those non-Jeff Landry candidates, but it's a very difficult path and you've got to get out ahead very, very quickly. But it's a very interesting development that both Rasponi and Abraham would announce on the same day, which leads me to believe that there is a movement in the greater Republican Party of Louisiana to try to get that unity going fairly early in this race. If that is the case, what, what I mean, does Billy Nungesser still run? Does John Schroeder still run? Does Bill Cassie's going to run? Bill Cassie's been censured by the party. He doesn't care about the Republican Party of, of Louisiana. If Bill Cassidy has decided he's going to run, he's going to run. No amount of party endorsement is going to stop him because he's got that much of an ego and he's, he's ready and willing to tell Republicans, uh, you're wrong, I'm right. He's not listening to his constituency. He's trying to prove he's smarter than his constituency. That, that's what he's been doing. And the voters are going to reject that. The voters want somebody who represents them. Right now, all of the things going on nationally, all the things going on in the state, most of the voters who are Republican would agree more with Jeff Landry than, other, than anyone else. Now, there are some exceptions to that. I've talked to a few of those exceptions. But anyway, so that's the state of play for the Louisiana gubernatorial race. I just wanted to give that story a mention. That story uh, went up uh, earlier this week. Brandon had that up, kpel965.com. All right, so for the remainder of the show, I would love your feedback on this. Teased at the beginning of the show. There's a Chick-fil-A in Miami, Florida that the owner-operator has offered employees a chance to work a full-time, with benefits, three-day work week. So what does that mean? Well, that means 
you work at this particular store, you work Monday through Wednesday or Thursday through Saturday because being a good God-fearing establishment, Chick-fil-A is closed on Sundays. But in order to work full-time for three days, uh, with three days a week on your schedule, you need to work, you know, 13, 14-hour shifts. So two days of 13-hour shifts, one day of a 14-hour shift. Or, you know, some mix in there that would get you to 40 hours. Or I think, like, between 38 and 40 hours, somewhere in there. But you work those three days, and then you have a basically a four-day weekend. And that gives you the opportunity to do things like work a second job, make even more money, which is what apparently what a lot of these employees do. Uh, the owner-operator said uh, some are bragging about making more money than they've ever dreamed of making, just kind of doing side gigs in addition to the restaurant. One of the employees went to Scotland twice, his family's in Scotland, and he still has personal time off available. It's pretty crazy. But it's also kind of cool. You know, Acadia Parish, like I mentioned at the beginning of the show, Acadia Parish is looking into the, uh, the four-day school week idea. And it's not the first in the state to do that. Uh, there's a couple districts in the state that have done it. Uh, there's no, I don't think there's any district in Acadiana that has, has done it, although there are now a couple because of Acadia Parish. I know for a fact there are a couple that are looking at it. And it's pretty easy to see why. One parish does, that makes them uh, a teacher magnet. At a time when there's a teacher shortage, you've got to be able to compete. So if teachers are looking for a four-day work week, they will leave wherever they live to go work in Acadia Parish, if that happens to go through. So the other school districts are like, all right, let's start looking at this. Let's see how feasible it might be, just in case we've got to compete with Acadia Parish, which you know they're going to want to do. So they would need to compete. But now, three-day work week. I think, you know, I think we've had the conversation with Shannon on Shannon is Offsides about the four-day work week. In, in fact, it was back in October when I wrote the story about Acadia Parish. The idea of moving to a four-day school week would be very interesting. A three-day work week, I'll be honest, between all the stuff I did at school and all the stuff I'm doing now, a 12 day, a 12 hour workday does not sound too impossible to me. But I could be wrong. All right, I see that some folks are calling in. What we're going to do, let's put them on hold and we'll come back after the break. Let's take this break. Your calls, 232 1542, your messages on the KPL app. We'll get to those when we get back here on the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5. KPL 232-1542. If you want to be part of the conversation, let's jump right to the phones. We've got Kermit on the line. Kermit, how are you? I'm fine. How are you today? I'm doing pretty good. Okay. Yeah. So what you got? Uh, I was just calling to let you know that uh, in Midland, Midland's a small town mm-hmm. high school between Crowley and Jennings yeah. southwest of Crowley yeah. and they've been doing the four day school week for 
several years now, probably eight or ten. Uh, there's, uh, and it's working well. Yeah, there's uh, there's actually a story dating. I went and looked it up. Uh, I've been to Midland several times when I was a basketball coach. Uh, they they do a uh-huh. phenom- they they do uh, some phenomenal tournaments over there. Uh, but there's a story yeah, actually. <laughs> yeah, so there's a story uh, from 2002 actually that talks about Midland working on a four day school week. So yeah, this has been you know a couple decades now that they've been doing it, and there right. have there have been a yeah. lot of schools and a lot of school districts that have switched to the four day school week, and they've seen positive results. The research that's right. out there is somewhat mixed on it, but for the most part, everybody seems to agree that there is there are more pros than cons to it, and it's particularly yeah. for the mental and emotional health of the students and the teachers. Now, what I'm curious about is in the business world as well, there was a study in Britain about uh, businesses that switched to four-day work weeks and have seen more productivity out of their employees. And there's this story about the three-day work week at this Chick-fil-A in Florida, which has me fascinated because, yeah, yeah, fast food workers tend to be younger kids. and, And for a while now, younger kids have been opting for less work, not more. But these kids right. are doing the mathematical equation. If I work a 13-hour shift for three days, I get 14 hours, uh, four, four days off. And they, yeah. seem, they seem to be buying it. <laughs> it would be more exciting to me uh, in my younger days. Now, I'm, you know, I'm 81 now, so it doesn't matter. But <laughs> I, I still work, but I work because I want to. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'd, but anyway. Yeah, if I, if I were younger, I could uh, 13 hours a day, no problem. Now, I'm, uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure. I mean, I just I just left the the teaching and coaching life, so I'm not entirely sure that I could go back to ten and twelve hour days, much less thirteen, fourteen. Carmen, thank you very much for the call. I appreciate it. Okay, thank you for taking my call. Always. All right, let's go back to the phone lines. We've got Renee. Renee, how are you today? Yeah, I'm, I mean, kind of kind of upset. I mean, I'm upset with uh, my truck broke down, and uh, it's all the drama dealing with a broken vehicle, it's, uh, it really makes me think about planned obolescence. Yeah. It's uh, planned obolescence on, like, education and real estate, which you keep adding to in time, devalues your product. And it's like, I don't know, my analogy, like, pro- like uh, certain trades, like the skin trade, you can't prove it sometimes. So you can't really have the government get involved with planned obolescence, but I feel there should be because when a product breaks down and have an accident, the taxpayer has to pay the charity hospital and the damages for property if it's the roadway or something like that. It's just hard to prove. It just and I do I wanna add that China is the king and the queen altogether of planned obolescence. Or they just can't make a good product altogether. They just can't make anything good. Hong Kong at one time, but not all China. And China, China getting charged of that. Nothing they make is good. Well, it's, it's funny you mentioned China. They're they're back in the news a bit more now after their the 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 communist uh, Cong- congressional meeting. Uh, they're back in the news. They they look like they are. Uh, they're being a they're 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 really going hard on in- intimidating members of Congress. There's a story that came out uh, I think over the weekend. Of a uh, of somebody from the Chinese consulate actually cornering and berating a congressional aide at some party. So China, while the forced obsolescence thing is is an issue, 
uh, China, they're the, the obsolescence of Chinese government and Chinese uh, economics seems to be the bigger issue here. They, they are really trying to keep their spot at the top of the world or near the top of the world, but they are slowly kind of losing their grip on it, which is why I think you have a question. Yeah. Do you think that while Japan was on top of the exports to America, that possibly thanks to George Soros, tweaking or messing up their money. That's why China took over, whereas Japanese products lasted longer and we were more a friend with Japan than we are with China. Did George Soros help that out? That's very, very difficult to say. There's there's so much that goes into those those uh, those networks behind the scenes. It, it, it would be very hard to point a single finger. Part of the problem, though, is more than any one act, one individual actor like a George Soros, one of the bigger problems is the fact that the Chinese have been manipulating their currency, manipulating their own economics and, and markets for so long. It's impossible to tell what the real value of anything in China is anymore. And that, I think, is the bigger issue economically than anything that maybe a George Soros or some other actor had done. Renee, thank you very much for the call. Always appreciate it. Um, the 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 thing that I, I think worries me most about China right now, and I'm going to go back to something I said a couple weeks ago, um, is TikTok. TikTok is a huge data mining operation that the Chinese have access to. And it looks like the U.S. government is starting to take it more seriously, but they're still not taking it seriously enough yet. That's the next thing. Once this midterm election is over, we really need to be pushing our politicians to be looking more into this because it's absurd what they're getting away with. All right, you guys have a fantastic day. Talk to you tomorrow, 23 hours until the next Joe Cunningham show. In the meantime, Shannon is off sides next. Follow me on Twitter at Joe P. Cunningham, Facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham Show, and Substack where you can get my show notes and other writings. All of that at JoeCunninghamShow.substack.com. Talk to you guys again soon here on News Talk 96.5 KPL.